This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Justin Strong and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I am your host, Justin Strong. Joining me each week is the other host of the show, riding atop his sandworm, Ryan Nelson. I'm glad you brought up the sandworms. That technology has come a long yes, way it has. in 40 years. Yes, it has. the sandworm ride looked awesome. <laughs> it did. It looked Unlike incredible. Unlike in Dune 1984, it looked crappy. Yeah, it was not a, it was not a, it was not a, it was not the high point in the 84 version. Yeah, except for Kyle McLaughlin's well, yeah. smile. That's true. That was, that was, that was. That was good. Uh, if you've been listening to podcasts since we started the podcast a few years ago, thank you for continuing to listen and making us part of your day. If you're new to the show, we hope you enjoyed as we talk about Dune Part 2. Whether or not you are new or a regular and like more access to the show, visit our Patreon page and become a patron of the Main Attraction Podcast. Mm. Go to patreon.com slash the main attraction podcast and you can get Patreon only content. You can support us at a $3, 5 10 or $20 level. And when you join up, we'll shout you out here on the show. If you want ad-free access to podcasts, any level of being a Patreon supporter will get you the show ad-free. doesn't matter which level you sign up for. All four levels get you the show ad-free. Now, if you want additional bonus content besides the just the show ad-free, that's where the 5 the 10 and the $20 level come in. Uh, we would love to have you support us at one of those levels. But if you just want the show ad-free, just sign up for the $3 level. If you can't be a patron, though, you can help the show out by rating us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a five-star rating. And if you have time, you can write us a review while you're on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to interact with the show, we'd love for you to do so. Send us an email to mainattractionpod at gmail.com. And we do have a listener email this week. Uh, Lori from South Carolina writes, she says, I am a fellow state fan in South Carolina. So All right. shout out to you, Lori, in South Carolina. Hey, look at that. There you go, Lord. That's right. And we got another South Carolina listener in, in Nate. So he lives out there in South Carolina, too. South Carolina, huge for the Men Attraction podcast. So. All right. <laughs> uh, and it's nice to hear you guys talk about the same shows I like, all the while knowing we share the same heartache and stress over the Bulldogs. Uh, Amen to that, Lori. <laughs> we had it this week. That's right. We certainly did. Uh, and Lori, if you're I not, hate you, Kentucky. I hate you. That's right. And, Lori, if you're not if you're not, if you're not looking at this on YouTube or looking at our uh, uh, TikTok account, Ryan has on a, a state hat. So, uh he didn't even know. He didn't even know you wrote this beforehand. Yeah, so. I did not. Uh, yeah. uh, but you asked for suggestions, and I have an older series in mind, Patriot on Amazon. I have been thinking about this oh, series. Oh, dude, I love Patriot. Did you see it? Okay, I have not seen. Remember it. that was the one I brought up. Like that was my like uh, series. People ask series that no one else talks about. Oh, that's Patriot. right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So there's somebody. There's another person who had seen it. So uh, Patreon on Amazon. I've been thinking about this show while watching Slow Horses. If you've not seen it, I'm I should sure. see that. Uh, if you're not seeing it, I'm sure you would thoroughly enjoy it, and it certainly deserves any extra attention. Uh, we'll definitely think about checking that out later yeah. on. Uh, we've, we've, and, and this is starring Michael Dorman for All Mankind. It's, yeah. it's like a Coen Brothers comedy like uh, spy show. It's really good. Yeah, it, apparently, from I looked into it when she mentioned this when I, I saw the email earlier this week. Uh, when I looked at it, it looks like it was a show that was really popular among the people who saw it, but it just didn't get a whole lot of viewership. Yeah. Uh, and that was yeah. kind of the main thing. That, Amazon. Yeah, I know. So, uh, anyway, yeah, we'll definitely think about checking it out. Uh, we got, yeah. we've got Shogun right now and we've got, uh, the regime, which will come out as we're actually, uh, talking about this show right now. So, uh, after we get through that, though, we might have some, we might have some time to, to clear out. Yeah, for this a few things. be a fun summer show to go to because obviously it has a cult following. So we, yeah. we we may get some listens. So we might. So uh, anyway, so uh, she also finishes. Okay, time. See what happens with basketball. Uh, that didn't go so well. Because <laughs> I think she wrote this on Wednesday or Tuesday, one of the two. So oh no. Uh, so yeah, that didn't go so well for us. That was disappointing to say the least. But all right. Uh, so like I said, if you do want to uh, interact with us, we'd love for you to do so. Send us an email to mainattractionpod at gmail when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so this is Dune Part 2. Dune Part 1 came out in October of 2021. This one was supposed to come out in October of 2023. Ends up getting pushed back because of the writers, not the writer strike, because of the uh, SAG strike. Had it just been the writer strike, we probably do get this in uh, 2023. Oh, so. But mm-hmm. when the stars went on strike and they weren't promoting it, they wanted to, they really wanted to get their their stars out in front of this. They wanted Timothy Chalamet, they wanted Zendaya, they wanted uh, Florence Pugh, Rebecca Ferguson, they wanted all those people out doing uh, the press tour for this thing. So they ended up pushing it back to this weekend. Just general thoughts on uh, Dean Party. I'm trying to think of a pun involving spice. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is the best spices of life. Oh, yeah. This movie good rocks. For a two-hour and 45-minute mo- movie, man, it, fl- it kind of felt like it flew it by because there's so much going on. I thought the sound, just like in the first movie, was incredible. Cinematography, the acting... Tell me if you felt this way. I felt like this was a passing of the torch from the from the stars of the first movie. You know, I'm talking about Oscar Isaac, Javier Bardem, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, Josh Brolin to the young people like Chalamet, Mm -hmm. Florence Pugh, Austin Butler. Like this is your chance. You're the stars now. I felt like it was almost like a little passing of the torch. Yeah, with that. that because they're. I do think these are stars now. Oh, yeah. All four of those guys. And uh, the other one, Leah Sadu, looks like... Uh, I know she had been in, like... Yeah, it uh, looks like her career. Like, uh, she's been in the Bond stuff. And then you drop the little nugget that, oh, yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy is going to play Aaliyah? <laughs> and we're just waiting on that? I was like, I kind of wish I didn't know she was in this because that would have made that reveal even more right. exciting to figure out, to find out who she was playing. Yeah. So I thought this move freaking rot. Chalamet, superstar, Zendaya, superstar, Zendaya's mad faces could start a war <laughs> that woman scares me. Yeah, it was look, it was it was really, really good. I was thorough, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. Obviously, mm-hmm. this is the early front runner for Best Picture of the Year. It would oh, have, yeah. it was going to be an Oscar consideration for this year had it come out in 2023 like it had originally been planned. We talked a little bit about this on our Patreon edition. I, I don't think it would have won Best Picture. I don't think it would have. Right. I don't think it would have won Best Director. I don't think it would have. I don't think it would have stopped the Oppenheimer juggernaut. But a few of the categories that it might take away from from Oppenheimer, it could have maybe taken away sound when because it's probably going to win sound. It's probably it probably could, it might could have taken away cinematography. Um, it might could have uh, taken away original score. So like so there's a few that it possibly could have that it possibly could have taken away from Oppenheimer. But ultimately, with the slate of movies that is coming out this year, I think it, it's setting itself up better for this year oh, because yeah. there's just not a whole lot coming out this year that's going to be. Now, look, when we get to Oscar season, things may change. That very well could change. That, that's right. still probably well, We had no idea away. what Anatomy of Fall yeah. or Zone of Interest was coming into this year. Yeah, so, I mean, that could easely change coming right. going into going into Oscar season, when, which starts normally around late October, right. early November, sometime yeah. around there. But... As of right now, I mean, obviously, there the, it doesn't yeah. have any competition as of right now, but it's the leader I for all the I think the pushing world. back helped it is going to help it with the box office. Oh, yeah. People are dying to go to the movies. This movie's made like an eighty something million, you know, this yeah. weekend. I think it's going to be huge. I think the word of mouth is going to be huge. Yeah, I could see. I want to see it again. I don't know if I'll make it to the theater because right. it's so damn long. People, we don't <laughs> yeah. need two hours and forty five minutes. But like, uh, I loved. I can't wait to watch it on Max. Yeah. I'm the same way. I can't wait to watch it again on Max. Look, it is a long movie, but I, I think it was. I, I, there's not a single thing I would cut mm. out of it, though. I mean, I will say that. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's you know sometimes I'm a big believer. If you need to make a long movie, make a long movie. Just make sure it's yeah. you need that time. And I think there are some movies that, like you said, you didn't feel like they wasted scenes. Like they like 
there were a bunch of wasted things. No, I, I didn't feel like that at all. So, like I said, I mean, could you cut stuff? Maybe, but you maybe could have cut some of the psychedelic stuff, maybe just a little bit. But there's not a whole lot that I would say yeah. cut it down to two and a half. I mean, if you start cutting too much of this thing, I think you start to lose some of what makes it just so incredibly great to begin with. So, uh, yeah. this film was. You know, it was interesting because we watched the 1984 and we watched the 2021 for for last week. Mm -hmm. This the part of this the part of this film in the 1984 version, it's like half an hour long. I know. I know. <laughs> like it's it was like yeah. thinking about the 1984 version. Like when I was watching this film, I was like. Like, because I couldn't quite remember. It's like, when does this movie pick up with the 1984 version? And I remembered when I was watching. It's like, oh yeah, it's about. It's only about thirty, maybe forty-five minutes of that movie. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. like, that still just shocks me. Like, it feels like that's the part of this movie that they just went to town on after. Yeah. The, the studio yeah. went to town on after David Lynch right. turned it over to the studios, because, yeah. look, that's a, it's a weird movie, 1984 version. They don't get into a lot of the stuff that they do in this thing, and I was really, yeah. I was really interested coming into this. Can, can I say something? Yeah, that go ahead. Shocking. Mm -hmm. I like the '84 version more. The more I watch part one and part two, oh, really? I like the '84 version. What is happening? I'm liking the. <laughs> I, was, I, I went, I went with my friends, the Dex, and my wife, and I was telling them, I was like, "All right, you should." take some recreational uh, <laughs> supplements and and watch Dude, the 1984 version. I think you will enjoy it. My wife's like, don't watch it. It's terrible. I was like, watch it. It's fun. <laughs> Especially if you've watched these two, I think you'll get a kick out of it. Yeah. But, uh, it's making me like these movies more. Lynch, I'm with you. You were robbed. Give me the David Lynch cut. <laughs> Apparently, you can find something close to it on on YouTube if you go and look for it. But I'm not 100 percent positive about we that. We were missing a pug in this movie. Yes, we were. We we're missing a pug, at least. So, uh, but this, like, I remember when Doom Part One finished because I was sitting there watching it because I, I knew there was going to be a part two, and then they said yeah, yeah. flash on the screen. Part One is like okay, so they took all the they took all the intrigue of that out of it once they once they flashed it on the screen. But I remember thinking. Where are they going to end this thing? And as they kept going through it, and they kept going into it, and they kept going into it, and they ended it after Paul ends up killing Jameis or Jameis. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but after they end up after he ends up killing him, I was like, okay, that's a pretty good place in this because when you get to that point in the book, so yeah. even though that's about two thirds of the way through the book, and there's only about a third of the book left, there's still like 250 pages at this point in the oh. book, so you have plenty of material you can absolutely work with. But I remember thinking that's a good point because it completely changes gears in the book, and this movie okay. completely changes gears from yeah. Doom Part One to Doom Part Two because it is on a level where they are doing some weird, crazy stuff in this thing. Yeah, and I was really interested coming into it. I was like, "How are people going to view this thing? Are people going to be receptive to it?" And apparently, they are because it's getting just yeah. Not only are I critics loving it, but people are loving it too. I do have one question. We asked this. I'm sure this is going to be a TikTok clip, so I'm going to tell you now. TikTok needs to know, Justin, you've read this book. How damn long is a pregnancy in the Dune universe? Because <laughs> it felt like this was years. Rebecca Ferguson is still pregnant the right. whole time. What? Uh, how long is this period? How long is a pregnancy? Answer these questions, Justin. I'm confused. It's still nine months. They just what they've done in this is they've decided to not have it span as many years in this movie okay. as it did in the David Lynch version. David Lynch stays... So he learned all this in nine months and yeah. became that proficient. Yeah, he did. Mm. Yeah, so that's, Freaking Paul, man. Yeah, I mean, that's what he's... That's what this... That's what the, the biggest difference in this is. They okay. don't really show... They're not, like, telegraphing to you how much time has passed, but you have to look at the visual cues for this thing because his blue... His eyes get bluer yeah, throughout the course yeah. of the thing. Mm -hmm. He also... This, and this is the biggest... This is the biggest change from the book and from the David Lynch version because in the book, there's basically time jumps forward for about three or four years. Aaliyah is born and she's yeah. like three, four years old in, in the book when they jump forward in time. And she's a huge part of this. That's the reason why in David Lynch, do you have a child actress who is... Uh, who's right. like a five or six year old little girl who's playing, doing all these crazy stuff in the David Lynch yeah. version. Alicia Witt, shout out to you. You were awesome. Uh, but she's in, that's the reason she's in, in the 1984 version. And look, I will give credit to 
to didn't even know if he's like what do we do oh, with this because that was the thing i was wondering yeah. i was like how are yeah. they going to do this and i was going to talk about Anis- that was creepy yeah it was in the in the 84 version it really was it was and it was just weird i mean it just it very weird i i, I, I it was one of the things i just didn't really know I, when i read the book i was like how are they going to do this in the film and i saw it in the david lynch version i was like Okay, that didn't work. How are they going to do yeah. this in the Denis Villeneuve version? Uh, and he yeah. does. I think he does a smart thing because what the problem you have is you if you're going to go down this road with Aaliyah and you're actually going to put her in the films, you're going to have Rebecca Ferguson, you know, give birth to the child. The child grows right. up, and I think if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've read the book. I think that poison stuff, the the water of life that she drinks, I think it like speeds up her her development. I think. And well, they mention that in the eighty four version, yeah, because they're like it's like the baby comes out at seven or something. Yeah. And so, like I said, it's it has a, it speeds her up her development somehow. And I don't remember. Like I said, it's been three years since I've read the book, so I, it's, I'm a little fuzzy on it. But I was really curious how they were going to do this because, like I said. Getting a uh, you know a seven year old actress to play a four year old is what you kind of have to do at this yeah. point. One that would just be weird in in general. But yeah. the stuff that the child would have to do, based off of the book, where they're like saying all this prophetic stuff and like they're saying all this stuff like is prophesying the future, and yeah. then end up killing the Baron, which the child did in the eighty four version. Oh, yeah. uh, wow. I mean, all of that, it's just a hard thing to pull off. It just really yeah. is. So, I like I said, I give a lot of credit to Denis Villeneuve to mm-hmm. come up with this idea. We're just going to keep the baby in the womb the entire time. We're going to basically allow her to speak telepathically with her mother in the womb. And this is how we're going to do it. And then we'll give a little hint. We'll, we'll, we'll show Anya Taylor-Joy on on the shores of the planet, which is a different, apparently a different planet as well, uh, on the on the shores of this planet, and say, I'll tell you something about our family or something along those lines. And then yeah. we finally get a little bit of hint of, of Anya Taylor-Joy by her actually voicing the womb of the baby at some point. So, like I said, this is what Denis Villeneuve does so well. He makes good decisions, and I know there are some people who are probably yeah. as mad as heck about this because of the fact they didn't oh, actually sure. put the baby in there. But I thought it worked perfectly. What were your thoughts? I thought the same thing, because as we talked about the 84 version, that was the creepiest part. And that's saying something. We saw yeah. Sting in a diaper. <laughs> that's true. Uh, no, no, Austin so, Butler in a diaper. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did miss that. Uh, so let's talk about the, the third movie. So is Anna Taylor-Joy going to be the same age as, as uh, Paul? Well, no, maybe. I don't know. And that's uh, I've not read Doom Messiah, because I've not okay. read any of the books beyond that, so I'll be really interested to see how all this plays out. But I do believe the idea that she develops faster, I think that's going to play a, yeah. a part in this, so she'll probably be She'll probably be pretty close to his age in this thing. I, I could be mm-hmm. wrong. Uh, they probably have her playing an older teenager. I don't know, but uh, I mean, just the thought of a movie with Chalamet, Zendaya, Anya Taylor Joy, Florence Pugh. I, I, give me this tomorrow. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be several years because Denis Villeneuve wants to do another movie before and, this, so we will get this at twenty seven or twenty eight. And look, I do know a few things about the plot of Doom Messiah. So. You say all those characters, and there is a possibility Jason Momoa could come back. Uh, I'll just go ahead and throw, throw that out there as Ooh. well. Uh, that's, uh, that, that'll make Lori happy. Yeah, like I said, there's oh, you're, a, no, I'm sorry, Lori, your friend at school. They have my, my assistant teacher, uh, my assistant coach. So, uh, like I said, it's that I've heard that Doom Messiah is is pretty wild and pretty crazy out there, uh, okay. and anything beyond that, like Children of Doom, is like really, really out there. So, uh, I don't he know. He's not gonna do that. He's just gonna do the trilogy. Yeah. I feel like he'll just he'll stop at Doom Messiah. I can't imagine him going beyond that. So, but this film is just when I was sitting there watching it, like as soon as it opened up and we get this opening scene where the Sardaukar are chasing are chasing the Fremen through the desert with uh, because they're also still looking for at least we thought they were still looking for for Paul and Jessica and as as Stilgar appropriately tells us, no, they weren't looking for them at all. Uh, I just thought that was just an amazing opening scene. And like, it just yeah. tells me like, we're about to be in for just an absolutely incredible ride throughout the course of this thing. What were your right. thoughts? And we were, we absolutely were. And Javier Bardem was just fantastic. Hilarious. I love him leading the, you know, the, the fantastical or the, the religious aspect. Right. Like, 
And I've already seen the memes of him every time. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet is doing like card tricks. Yeah. And what was the, what's the. Lasan Al Gaib. Yeah. yeah Lassan, oh, man. Yeah. It's like I was. No look, that is one of the best parts of this entire thing because when you're reading the book and you're reading Stilgar, and when you see him in part one, when you see his character in part one, you don't see this coming. I mean, you don't see this yeah. like comic relief character right. coming throughout the entire thing. Like, and just he—he's hysterical. Like throughout portions yeah. of this, he's not always that way. Don't get me wrong; he's not always yeah. hysterical. But there were portions when I was like, "This dude is incredibly funny." I've never yeah. really seen him do comedy, but it was great. And, and I bet you Denise Villeneuve is—he's got to be a huge fan of No Country for Old Men, right? Because Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem. Like stars each other up yes, several times, and, I, and I'm like, "Oh, you're doing a no country thing for us all. Thank you." Yeah, and 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 poor, poor uh, uh, Drax. Drax still can't beat Thanos. Oh, no, no, <laughs> he, 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 he got whipped. He did. I mean, like like Josh Brolin's uh, uh, gurney, like just takes him takes out Raban so fast it was just. Could like, we not have like? Got, put Dave Bautista, the biggest human in these movies, as the weakest. <laughs> that was, I mean, look, that's true to the book because by the time that uh, Fade Routha just kind of ends up taking over the, the, the last half of the book, yeah. and uh, Raban is, Raban is portrayed in the book as kind of like you would think, just kind of like this big ogre of a guy, but he's kind of dumb. Uh, and that's kind of the yeah. way that that's, that really comes out in here in part two, so. I bet Josh. I would love to hear Josh Brolin talking about Tease. It's like no way I can beat you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that would be the case. So, because uh, yeah. he made such quick work of him, it was like he did. A- Kind of felt bad for, for for Dave Bautista in that moment. So because Dave Bautista just looks bad in this thing. I mean, he does. He I mean, does. His uncle like tells him he's going to kill him if he makes one more mistake. Austin yeah. Butler like makes him kiss his feet. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. Things just aren't going well for him. So, yeah. Uh, are you surprised at how well people are receiving this film? Because I'll be real honest with you, I am. It's it goes down some weird paths in this thing. I was so I was really curious yeah. about how they would how Denis Villeneuve would tackle this thing, and the fact that he really doesn't hold back at all. It surprised me yeah. a little bit, but it, it doesn't. It makes sense, you know, especially with some of the remarks he made. We'll talk about in a second. But are you surprised at just how well it's being received? I think a couple of things. I, I, I'm I am and I'm not because Denis Villeneuve's he's right there the top filmmakers going right now he's just incredible this cast is phenomenal and i don't know why how watchable the first movie was makes you even more fired up for this movie and i think that helps the fact that it's streaming on max it's easy to get to you know like we all watch this like a lot of us didn't go to the theater i didn't and now that you get to go to the theater watches i think that helps yeah I think that's just, it's all coming together. That's, you know, making it where, like, you just want to see more. Because, like, let's be honest, Dune is weird. Yeah, it is. This mm-hmm. whole story, this isn't Star Wars. This is some weird, like, George, George Lucas is a weird guy. This is even weirder. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, you, you can see the parallels. Like I said, when yeah. we did Dune Part 1, Dune is obviously, yeah. Arrakis is obviously Tatooine. Yeah. Uh, Paul is obviously uh, Luke, even though... Uh, Luke doesn't turn to the dark side on much, unlike Paul. Uh, I was sitting there thinking, it didn't even occur to me until I was sitting there watching uh, Baron Harkonnen going into the, the gladiator thing. Yeah. I was like, oh, Hark- Baron Harkonnen is the Hutt. So I was like, oh, this, duh, how did I not yeah. catch this early? He, right. He's the Hutt. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, it, the, the influence is there, to say the least. Yeah. But going back to your original question, it's the leads and the director. Yeah. That's what makes this movie so damn good, and where you're, you will like, you'll still get into the weirdness of this this series. Yeah, uh, look, one of the things I think, look, the, all the every performance in this thing is just absolutely top top notch. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, every performance is just operating at an incredible level. Like the weakest performance to me comes from Christopher Walken. I don't think it's necessarily that he is a bad performer. I agree. It's, we love. Yeah, it's because it's walking. Yeah, it's walking. I mean, he's he's walking. Why did you come here? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and part of it also is walking, and also he's eighty-one years about to be eighty-one years old. I mean, he can only do so much. But like I said, I wonder why they got walking. Why couldn't they have gotten somebody like in their sixties? I don't know. That was Stellan Skarsgård. 
I yeah. love walking. I love no, I walking. Oh yeah, I love walking. But I, I yeah, that was that was bad casting. Yeah, like I said, I wasn't really sure what they were doing when they got walking for this part. And then like when I watch him, like yeah, he's doing his walking thing. He is <laughs> when he's doing yeah. the emperor. But uh, yeah. it's like I said, I don't know. That's like it's maybe he just really wanted to work with him. I don't know. But they probably could have found somebody else to do that. But like yeah. I said, it's not it's not really a bad performance. It's just it's not. It's he's just a distraction Chris Walken. We all want him to be walking. Yeah. What are you doing with uh, my wonderful yeah. emperor here? So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like I said, all the performances are just fantastic. I mean, yeah, let's talk about Austin Butler, man. Yeah, How creepy was he? Oh, incredibly creepy. I, I'm trying to think. What have I seen of his? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I know I've seen Elvis. other stuff. I never saw Elvis. Uh, I know you saw Masters it. Masters of the Air. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, I've seen him in Masters of the Air. That's where I've seen him in. So, yeah. uh, he is obviously up and coming. This may be like yeah. the final thing that like just mm-hmm. propels him as like one of the top guys in in Hollywood. Absolutely. Yeah. But Fade Rotha is just an absolutely despicable character in the book, and he just oozes that without actually having to yeah. ooze anything like they do in the eighty four right. version. Uh, but yeah. He, yeah. He just absolutely just sees like this horrible like just this horribleness and this evilness and like just you you hate this guy the minute you see him yes. on screen and coming out in that right. gladiator thing so your, what were your thoughts on him well he's so different than the sting version of this character oh, yeah. that you're, you're it's shocking it's the same character yeah it is and like you said he's creepy he's a great fighter you know which you you know see in that and just the way he looks I love how, you know, Austin Butler loves to steal accents. Uh, you know, he d- does Stellan Skarsgård. He's doing that yeah, the whole time. Mm-hmm. You're right. He is. And it's just an absolutely incredible performance. I mean, and the big moment that you they build up to is the big fight between mm-hmm. he and Paul at the very end of this. And it absolutely lives up to it. I mean, it's just an incredibly well done fight between those I mean, two. I, I, we got to put some meat on Shell. I'm having a hard time fight. Believe it. He's this great warrior. Yeah, that's true. They, they need to buff him. They need to, they need to buff him up a little bit. To say Timothy, call me. We'll hang out. I'll get some meat <laughs> on you. Yeah, that, that could, that, that would definitely be something. Have that you heard the beer and cheese that Timothy will get there. <laughs> it's an easy one to, it's an easy one to pull off so yeah uh the story of this like i said it's a it's a really interesting thing especially when you talk about the comments that denis villeneuve gives this week did you hear about the comments that he made about dialogue uh, and all that stuff yeah, he, he doesn't he's not as much concerned as about dialogue yeah basically he's like of, he doesn't have any creators are yeah he says he basically like doesn't care anything about dialogue he's all about the visual stuff and that's like people are like kind of like bashing for him if you've seen him look i've only seen four of his films but if you've ever seen any of his films like if you didn't figure this out already like that's kind of a you problem well, let's 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 give the man some credit Taylor Sheridan wrote Sicario, and he made right. it into an Oscar-winning movie. Right. That's Denis Villeneuve. Right. He knows he is correct on this. He knows what he's doing. I'm telling you, I would watch this man do anything. The way, like I, one of the coolest scenes was when Josh Brolin comes in, and he just like when he's coming down from that ship very slowly, mm-hmm. and they're just just the way he tracks him, the way he lands, and just the noise. I'm like. He's the only director that pulls that off so yeah. well right now. Yeah, he does. You're, you're correct. He, he pulls it and off just incredibly the well. The worms were unbelievable. That final battle when they when they you know take towards the emperor when when uh, the emperor's men are lining up mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you see four huge sandworms come up. Oh my god, man! That was one of the most incredible things it I've really ever is. seen. I mean, when I was sitting there watching that because. You see that film. You see that scene in the trailers and some of the pictures for some of the promotional work for the film, and you see it, and it's like it registers. It's obviously a, a pretty impactful thing. But when you're watching it in the actual film, and you see these these soldiers who are out in who are just out, you know, patrolling as the storm yeah. is approaching, and you know, you can kind of feel their fear because they've already had a huge bomb go off on them. Uh, so you've already had all that take place. So there, yeah. there's fear. And then all of a sudden you see, you know, when you're finally in the theater and you see this giant worm just appear out of this, cl- this cloud, it's it's yeah. terrifying. You feel the fear that those guys were probably going through. Right. Like, oh no, I'm about to get eaten by this giant thing that is coming oh, yeah. at me. 
Speaking of which, did you buy a, I mean, a, a popcorn bucket? No, they don't sell them at the uh, at the place that I go see the movies. At. I wonder if they had it, but there's like, do you want one? I was like, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like thirty bucks for all this whole oh, complex thing. I was, I was like, nah. I'm good. Yeah, that's an AMC thing, correct? That they sell them at. It was AMC, but I went to a Regal and they okay. had some kind of version of it. Okay, yeah, they didn't have it at that the one. At least the, they were yes, selling they did, a shirt, <laughs> and all this stuff. My goodness. Yeah, I, no, I did not buy it. So I'll uh, tell you what. Let's take a real quick break and then we'll discuss the rest of the film. All right. So we talked about, you know, the great performances by. We're going to talk about more about some of these people, but we talked about the great performances. To me, the person who steals the show is, is Rebecca Ferguson. I, I thought she, she was, was really good. Fantastic. Creepy, too. Yeah. And like I said, I wasn't really sure how much they were going to get into. Just the whole reverend motherness of her character here in the second episode, in part two, because it's some weird stuff. But they get into it, and they don't really hold back. I mean, there's not a whole lot they leave uh, from her character from the book. They leave most of it in, so I was really surprised by that. And I just thought she was, like I said, I thought she was absolutely incredible. She was, and she was quite the villain. Yeah, and she was. I mean... <sighs> And it's really weird. Like that's one of the things I like about this story, and it's one thing I like about the way they do this film. Paul and Jessica—they're—they're they're the heroes of this thing until they drink the the water of life. Yeah, yeah. And once yeah. they drink the water of life, they start believing everything that has been laid out for them by the Bene right. Gesserit. Like this was all supposed to be propaganda set forth by the Bene Gesserit to make it easier for them to control the people, to control the Fremen, to do all this type of stuff. But once they actually drink that blue liquid that comes from the sandworms after yeah. they kill a sandworm, they start Gross. buying into it. And yeah. Jessica, and like I said, Rebecca Ferguson, just, she buys into it from the get go. She's just completely all over. Then when Timothy Chalamet drinks it, you know, he, you see a immediate change in his character. But like yeah. I said, Rebecca Ferguson, when she's got the, the weird things written know, on her face, her face and like the, the, much the veil. better than the weird haircut that they had in 84. Version. Yes. <laughs> much better than that haircut. Who would have ever thought face tattoos would be that much better. I know. So, uh, like I said, I just thought she was absolutely incredible. It just, I, did, I agree. I thought she was phenomenal. And, she would have, she's, Definitely going to look at some some best supporting actor yeah. suggestions. To me, a recommendation to me for the actor portion of this thing, she has the best chance of getting a nomination. Yeah, I, I think so. I think she'll, I think she'll so. have the best chance. Look, I don't think Timothy Chalamet. I, I think Timothy Chalamet might could. I think Zendaya might could. Uh, Javier yeah. Bardem probably has a better shot as a supporting actor. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but I just, with this being science fiction. I don't know that those performances are as impactful enough to get them into the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's a it's going to be from everything that we've seen this year. It looks like it's going to be a slow year. So who knows? Yeah, they might. I think Rebecca Ferguson has the best chance. I would put Bardem at second. Yeah, and then probably Chalamet at third. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of where I would put them as well. So. Uh, let's talk about the relationship between Paul and Chani or Johnny as they, I couldn't tell how they pronounce it. I've always pronounced it Chani. I thought they said Chani. Yeah. I, I thought they were saying Chani. There were times it sounded like a J. There were times it sounded like the, the CH for Chani. So, uh, I don't know. Like I said, it, 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 it depended on who was saying it to be real, perfectly honest with you. Um, what would you think of just how their relationship was, how it played out? What were your thoughts on it? it it's a beautiful love story to start out. You know, you see these two... <laughs> young superstars too to have you know these two playing this part like how lucky are we for that to show them falling in love and then just to see the heartbreak of him picking Florence Pugh at the end right and just like and then her not buying into the whole thing the prophecy all along and then like she saw the change in Paul right did not like it you know from from that part and then just getting heartbroken at the end like I said poor Zendaya like all the faces she was making like I was frightened for her yeah that's one of the this is one of the this is one of the areas where where uh villeneuve changes direction from the book uh and this is where lynch stays a little bit more traditional to the book stays a little bit closer to the book in the book basically it's decided it's decided before they ever actually meet with the emperor that uh paul is going to basically make the political play to marry to marry Princess Arulan, and but he always but he says 
in that in those moments he says i'm not going you know i'm going to marry her but you're the person i will love you're the person who I'll, he's basically she's basically chani is basically going to be what lady jessica was to his father he she's a concubine yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's the one that you know she he will actually have love for and prince Cerulean will be just a political marriage that's all it was that's all it will be that's that's the arrangement and everybody knows it and chani is kind of on board with not just completely on board with but she's kind of on board with it so that's like one of the biggest changes also another big change is paul and chani have no children in this thing even though somebody pointed out that oh. she's wearing a blue ribbon especially there at the very end uh, mm-hmm. i don't know if you know yeah, I, I def i did notice that i think that might signify that she's pregnant uh i'm not 100 positive okay. about that so uh anyway uh that's one of the things that is a bit of a change from the book and like i said i think it's a better change because it gives chani more agency gets her a little bit more it's a little bit more empowering than to just be like okay well you can go marry this person i'll just be the person you sleep with i mean that's like i said and also you have zendaya in this role you you want her to have that agency you you want you want to see her do more you do and so like i said she's she's in the book she's much more on board with all this and she's not as She's not as opposed to like when when Paul makes his turn towards the dark side when he starts to demonstrate right. these these tendencies towards being a ruthless dictator. She doesn't really. She's much more on board with it, that side of him than Chani is in in this version of it. So, um, Princess of Rulin, it's she's not a cameo, but it's obvious they're setting up her for up for next right, for right. the next movie. What do you think about Florence Pugh in this? I thought she was great. You know, it's it it's kind of weird to not see her having a bigger role, and I was wanting to see more of Florence right. Pugh because I always think she's great. But I enjoyed her role because honestly, she's trying to figure out what's all going on. Right, she is, mm-hmm. and she's being, you know, been done wrong by her father and for and from the uh, Benny Jesuit. Right. You know, so like uh, just her figuring out what's all going on, and boy, she looked shocked when you know Paul picked her as well. Yeah, she did, and I was really interested to see how they were going to do her character because she doesn't show up in the. Mm-hmm. She's she's kind of the narrator of the of the book, but you know, she yeah. doesn't she doesn't really, and they kind of work that in with the way she's doing her diary and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. I was really interested to see what they did with her because unless. Like I said, I wasn't really sure if they were going to pull her in like they do in the book and just pull her in at the very end when the Emperor shows up. And I was like, that seems like a bit of a waste of the character, of the world, at least yeah. a waste of the actress. And they do a good job of like putting yeah. her story throughout the course of this a little bit more so than what the book would have. So like I said, I thought that was right. a good change. I thought that was, a, I thought that was well done by, by Denis Villeneuve. Uh, the reunion between Paul and Gurney, I thought was really good. We actually uh, do get so great. We get Gurney playing his his weird yes. instrument. I, I wasn't sure they were ever going to do that, but they do. With the song about piss, so you know, great. <laughs> yeah, I know. Talk about it. Uh, like I said, I was I was waiting for to see how they did the reunion between the two, and I thought it worked just incredibly jo- well. Josh Brolin is so awesome. Yeah, he is. He is just a fantastic actor, and what especially I, in roles like this. And I like what Gurney does in this. And the fact that he's like he because he wants he wants the revenge he wants to go back and get yeah he wants to go back and get the Harkonnens but I'm not sure he's completely on board with this like whole Messiah yeah. thing I'm not sure he's completely on board right. with it, but he also wants he kind of wants the benefits that comes along with it basically the exactly. the power and the the guy who's like just going to completely basically becoming what his yeah. father never could becoming the all powerful uh, warlord that. He never could become because of the fact that I enjoyed. I enjoyed watching him, you know, protect Chani. Yeah, I thought that was really good because he was kind of like once Paul just kind of becomes an a hole in, in this mm-hmm. thing. Uh, once that happens, he's basically like trying to like calm her down and convince her like, yeah, you've got to go along with this or else it's going to be bad for you. So uh, yeah. I was, I was really, I really liked that part of their relationship, yeah. at least. So, uh, how do you think? This will play out in look. I have not seen Doom Messiah. Like I said, I know a couple of the story beats, yeah. but not much. When we get into the third version of this, because there will eventually be, even though it has not technically been greenlit, it, it's just a matter of time before that ends up happening. When they, when we actually, when we finally get this thing greenlit, how do you see this story playing out? Because obviously, Timothy Chalamet's character Paul has gone down a road of he's becoming what the thing that he feared he would become. Yeah. That's kind of the whole point of this. What, where do you think this thing goes? I mean, it feels like he's going to end up being the big villain in the final 
yeah. the final book. Yeah. Or the final battles, yeah. Because I, I can't imagine Chalamet continuing on in this series. I feel like he's going to end up being the villain. You know, the other thing, Lady Margot is pregnant with uh, with, with, uh, with Fade Austin Butler. Baby. Yeah. Fade Roth's baby. That child has to be involved in this one as well. Yeah. The next one. I think it would be involved. I don't think it's going to be a situation like Aaliyah where it's going to be a full-grown okay. person. But like I said, I don't know. Oh, that's true, because she has a drink in the water. Yeah, yeah, like I said, I don't know this. Like I said, I, I know a couple of the story beats, but I don't know a whole lot of them. Um, I saw, but I don't know anything about that child. I have no idea what that's going to happen. Uh, real quick, before we get, I actually meant to ask you about this earlier. What do you think about the reveal that, because I don't think they revealed this in the 84 version, that Lady no. Jessica was Baron's, Baron Harkonnen's daughter. I was shook in the theater. I was like, oh, man, I did not know this. Yeah, I was surprised. I didn't think they were going to go down this road because when, if they had done it, when it happens in the book, it would have happened in part one. When he's, when he realizes, he, Paul actually sees it in one of his visions before Lady Jessica does. And he actually reveals it to her in the book when he actually finds out, when he says, I know you're pregnant as well. He reveals yeah. all that at one time. He says, I know you're pregnant. I know that you're you're also uh, Baron Harkonnen's uh, daughter. I know that's uh, part of your history as wow. well. So, like I said, I was really interested in what, how you thought that uh, played out. I thought it, I thought it went over well, and I love how you know Paul got to use it when he killed the Baron and uh, uh, Fate. Yeah, I like the hello cousin. He's like, oh cousin. Yeah. Awesome. I was like, hey cousin. Okay, well, yeah, you I will say first awesome. I killed. Yeah, also Butler kind of threw out the almost Elvis was cousin. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He did. <laughs> uh, the, the, like I said, I was really interested to see how people would respond to that. I think most yeah. people have responded like pretty it. well to it. I mean, that kind of goes into Star Wars again. There's some Star Wars there, yeah. you know, with yeah. with Luke being Vader's son. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, you can see a lot of the of the parallels George, between where George got on this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, I'll be really interested to see how this plays out. I, yeah. I can't wait to see what. Anya Taylor Joy's Aaliyah is like. In, Me too. I'm really excited about her. Yeah, because like I said, if they had tried to do the Aaliyah thing in this film, I don't think it works very well. But doing it, and when she's actually a little bit more grown, when she's actually yeah, you know, fully aged, which they, I'm sure they will explain, she ages quickly because of uh, the water of life. Yeah. I'm sure they will explain. That's how they explain how she's. Basically the same age as, as Paul in the, in the next one. So. She is a perfect person to play this weird character. Oh, yeah, she is. So that's going to be a, it's going to be a fun role to see, and I can't wait to see what she ends up doing with it. Like I said, I wish they had not told us she was in this film because it would have made that reveal even better. Yeah, and look, I didn't see that coming. Uh, I saw, obviously, I knew we knew Anya Taylor-Joy was going to be in it because they reveal it. When she shows up at the premiere, people are saying, "So, are you finally? Are you actually admitting that you're actually in this film?" Because that had been in speculation. I didn't know. I knew there was speculation she would be in the film. I just I could not figure out what role. And apparently, people were speculating Aaliyah would be the role, and that never even crossed my mind. It was like Aaliyah is yeah. a four year old in in the books. So I was like, it, yeah. I didn't know what character she was going to play. But like I said, with Denis Villeneuve doing it the way that he does it, it worked really, really well. Uh, yeah. Look, so much of this film just works incredibly well. The sandworms you talked about a second ago, yeah. it's it's absolutely majestic when they're on those sandworms. When he's getting ready to ride it for the first time, it's just an absolutely breathtaking moment. He does such an incredible job of of portraying that in in the film because uh, it's this huge moment in the book. So, like I said, that's a you gotta get that one right, and he absolutely nails it. Uh, yeah. The siege on uh, Arakeen, the capital of Arrakis, just absolutely phenomenal. The huge handworms coming in, the fights, the, the just the spectacle of the ornithopters flying around. Uh, everything about this thing, it's just absolutely incredible to watch. It's a, it's a visual feast of the eyes, is what it is, and it's just absolutely... Yeah, it a, really is. A th- it was a thrill to watch. I mean... I said I had high expectations. I came out completely satisfied. It's one of the most satisfying theater experiences I've had in a yeah. very, very long time. I just was really, really is. I, I'm with you on that. It was just absolutely fantastic. I mean, and like I said, you know, I, we talk often about who were the best directors still living. Uh, you know, right. obviously Scorsese gets mentioned. 
I've also mentioned Christopher Nolan is my favorite director. And like yeah. you can, to me, the last Nolan film and the last Villeneuve film just shows the differences in how these two approach things. Oppenheimer mm-hmm. was a film that was driven completely by dialogue. I mean, that's what yeah, it yeah. was. This show, this film has dialogue, but he is, you can see him trying to tell as much of the story through vis- visuals and through yeah. through just these majestic scenes that he's trying to put on and the artistry that he's trying to put on screen both incredibly just inc- done incredibly different ways so it's like I said I can't wait to see what both of these guys do next obviously I feel well, like you see what Denis Villeneuve supposedly is doing next what's that Cleopatra with Zendaya oh really okay that would be good <laughs> Chalamet Daniel Craig Javier Bardem are rumored to be in it oh really okay that that would be a, a spectacular film to say the least so yeah uh, I wouldn't I would like to see that so <laughs> yeah yeah good stuff so uh, like I said this movie was just absolutely fantastic I'll be really interested to see yeah. what happens with the third one uh, how like I said I've heard that it goes kind of off the rails in the third one I don't know I haven't seen it so I can't tell you for certain but I've heard that it's it's, it's a pretty crazy story 27 at earliest i'm saying 2027 yeah that would be kind of my guess too so uh what else you want to talk about or do we want to do awards um i I think we're good um i think i feel like we've talked about quite a bit yeah i think so too so let's go ahead and do our uh, awards for this thing All right, here on the Main Attraction Podcast, whenever we wrap up a season of a television show or a movie, we'd like to give out six awards based on the six characters of Friends. Up first, we have the Rachel, the star of the show. Who are you giving your Rachel to? I'm going with Chalamet and Zendaya. Yeah. They're, they're, they're the ones that shine the most because they're supposed to. Let's say yeah. Least, so. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to give it to those two as well. Who is your Joey, a character you just loved? Who's your Joey? I went with uh, Gurney, Josh Brolin, and then I added Florence Pugh here. I was happy to see her join this this universe. Yeah, I went with Josh Brolin as, as Gurney Halleck. I didn't put I didn't put Florence Pugh anywhere just because she's not in it a whole lot. So I left her off there, but I, yeah. I'm fine with that as well. So, uh, your Chandler, the person who made you laugh the most. I uh, mentioned him earlier. Javier Bardem yeah. was hilarious in this movie. There's not a ton of laughs in this, but he makes no. you laugh quite a bit. He brought them. Yeah, he brought him. He he definitely brought him. Like I said, something I'm not familiar with with uh, Javier Bardem doing, but he was yeah. he was really good in those and in, in bringing the last this time around. So, uh, the Phoebe, the oddball of the bunch. Who's your Phoebe? There are so many yeah, options. There's here. a lot. I I went with Lady J, Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, and then I just put Christopher Walken. He just seemed odd in this movie. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about doing that as well. But I put Rebecca Ferguson as Lady Jessica in this because yeah. once she drinks that water, she's yeah. she's operating at a completely different level, to say the least. That is for sure. Uh, the Monica, character who's just vital to the story, who'd you go with? I went with the oppressed people of the South because Paul brings them up over and over. Yeah. They're constantly on his mind. He's worried about what he's going to do to them. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good uh, pull for that. I didn't even think about doing that, but that's a that's a really good pull. Uh, this is where I put Austin Butler's character. Uh, I put him here. I yeah. just thought he was uh, vitally important to the entire story. Uh, who is your Ross, your least favorite character? I went with the Baron and uh, Fett here. Okay, I just went with the Baron, but that makes sense. You could put you could put Fade Roth yeah. here as well. So yeah, Fade, uh, I put Fett. Fade. Yeah, uh, Baron Harkonnen uh, is absolutely terrible throughout the course of the entire thing, uh, and it's kind of like I said. It's I was really interested once they didn't put Aaliyah into this thing. I was really interested mm-hmm. to see how he was going to die in this. And for Me a, too. And for a minute, I thought they were going to have the Emperor just kill him. Uh, that's what yeah. they, that's the way I thought they were going down with it. But they decided not to. They decided to let uh, Paul end up killing him. So that was I thought. That and and was no karate chop this time. <laughs> no, no karate chop this time. So uh, that's a good call on that. So, all right, rating time here on the main attraction podcast. We have a five tier rating system. At the top of our list is a succession. Beneath the succession is lost. Middle of the road is friends. Beneath friends is a full house. And bottom of the barrel, it is a Baywatch. What are you rating, Dune Part Two? I'm giving this a succession. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is an early leader for top movie of the year for me. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, 
really early, but man, it's got a good head start. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen three movies. You know, you're gonna be surprised that this beats out Madam Web. I mean, I know that's gonna be kind of shocking, but <laughs> yeah. that I find yeah, this better right. than Madam Web. But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a succession. It's it's absolutely yeah. fantastic. I, I won't see it in theaters again just because it it's, it costs a lot of yeah. money to go to theaters and it costs takes a lot of time. But yeah. when it comes out on HBO Max, I can't wait to check it yeah. out there. And speaking of theaters, man, do we need 30 minutes before a movie starts? Come on, people. It was 15 minutes before the trailers for me. Dude, was that over really? Like it, yeah, 15 minutes of ads and then 15 oh minutes gosh. of trailers. It wasn't that bad at Way mine. too long. Yeah, it wasn't that bad at mine. We, I had, we had trailers for Deadpool and Wolverine. We had a, like two more trailers. I don't remember what the other two trailers were for. But we had two more trailers, and that was it for us. Then we got into the movie. It was, yeah. I was kind of uh, happy about it. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Uh, that wraps up our coverage of Dune Part 2. We've had a lot of fun discussing Dune the past two yeah. weeks. So, uh, if you haven't, if you check, missed our Dune Part 1 coverage and our coverage of the 84 version of Dune, go back and check those out there on the they're on the podcast feed as well. Uh, a lot of fun. I'm going to miss Dune for a while. Yeah, I'm too. It's, it, it's been a lot of fun to talk about. It's been. It's just an epic. It's an epic film. It's an epic book. And yeah. Denis Villeneuve has done a fantastic job of uh, bringing it to the screen. Now, uh, recommendations. I'm going to go first because there's only one thing. I, uh, not recommendations. Things I'm looking forward to. I'm going to go first because there's only one okay. thing I could think yeah, of yeah. Uh, coming up this week. I don't know that I'll have time to watch it. I hope to. But the gentleman on Netflix. It's oh, yeah. the Guy Ritchie show that's, uh, he hasn't done mm-hmm. a television show in a while, but he's actually getting ready to, they're releasing The Gentleman on May, March 7th, I think is when it comes out, uh, which would be right. Wednesday, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, but, or Thursday. Uh, so that's supposed to be coming out. It's It looks like it's going to be good. It looks like it's going to be fun. So I can't wait to watch that. It's got Theo James, who we know from White Lotus and other things. So looking yeah. forward to checking that out. What do you have in terms of things you're looking forward to? Uh, I saw some announcement this week for the next season of Only Murders in a Building. Okay. Eugene Levy joined oh, really? the cast. Hey, I need to finish season oh, three. Yeah. I never finished it. Uh, oh, man, you need to. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so Martin Short's one of his best friends, so sorry about that. Molly Shannon, Eva Longoria, and Meryl Streep is back. Okay. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, also, The Tourist, the show we reviewed on HBO Max, is now on Netflix, mm-hmm. and the second season just came out on that. So, oh, did it? And I noticed it's in the top ten on Netflix. So oh, I didn't realize second, I didn't even know it had a second season coming out. Yeah, so it just dropped this week. So okay. I have a feeling it's going to be a bigger hit on Netflix. Uh, it I don't seems think like, so, man. Something like that finds a bigger audience, so I'm uh, excited about that. And then finally... Um, I mentioned this a while back. There's an Amazon comedy movie with John Cena and Zac Efron called Rickety Stickety, and it comes out, I think, on Friday. Okay. And John Cena is doing a good job of advertising it because <laughs> he wrote something about, like, on Twitter, and just said, my only cream pie seen it, and it was an OnlyFans to Rickety Stickety, <laughs> his character. So, Cena, man, he's funny. Yeah, you he is. Give him credit. So, yeah, yeah. Those, are my, those are my things I'm looking forward to. Not the OnlyFans, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Got to clarify there. So, want to clarify that? Yes. All right. So, guys, uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, anything else you want to uh, say before we sign off? Yeah, I appreciate everyone joining us, and we will talk to you next time. I will echo those same sentiments, and as always, until next time, may all of your entertainment dreams come true.